You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Blizzard, and John is missing from this episode today. And it's because this is a very random episode, uh, more uh, just me, heavily focused on me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that arrogant. Uh, John's actually over in Venice, Italy and Tuscany and somewhere, somewhere in Italy. The last I talked to him, he was a little bit lost trying to find his way up a mountain to find his villa. Uh, I don't know if he's succeeded at all in doing so, but I hope he has because he's been up for the last 36 hours and desperately needs a drink. So good luck to you, John, wherever you are. Today, I am going to talk to you a little bit about a movie that I recently watched and have loved since the moment I first watched it over 10 years ago, but it was the first time that my wife has watched this movie and has been introduced to this classic cinematic character. That's right, I watched Casino Royale, James Bond, Ian Fleming's Casino Royale, uh, the 2006 version um, directed by Martin Campbell, starring Daniel Craig as James Bond, and I freaking love this movie. Uh, This was the first movie for me that introduced James Bond to my 13-year-old self. Uh, In 2006, I was 13, so that seems about right for the, you know... Uh, the, the time I was introduced to him, considering who James Bond is, uh, this womanizing, like, suave dude, right? So, first time watching a James Bond film was Casino Royale, and man, what a movie this is. So, I introduced my wife to Casino Royale the other night. We're actually going through this movie list, this bucket list uh, scratch-off poster movie thing, and it's super cool. So there's a whole bunch of movies on there, like Jaws and uh, Shawshank Redemption and Casino Royale is on that list. But then you have movies like Rosemary's Baby and um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and there's a ton of movies on this list. And Martin Campbell's uh, Casino Royale is on the list as well, which I was super thrilled about. So we sat down the other night, watched this movie, and as I'm watching this, I just I'm realizing, man, like this is such an incredible film. So I want to talk about four quick reasons why I love this movie and why it's a fantastic, not just James Bond film, but film in general. The first reason I love this movie is it actually requires your critical thinking. You need to actually actively be paying attention. You need to actively be listening to what is being said. You will miss so much if you're sitting on your phone, scrolling through Facebook. You cannot multitask while watching this film. You are going to miss something, whether that's because they're showing you something that's happening or because of what the characters are saying are so, uh, they're so complex within the overall narrative arc of this film that you need to actively be paying attention and putting the pieces together. That's, That's part of why I like this film so much because I feel like I am a part of MI6. I feel like I'm a double O working with James Bond, trying to piece these things together as he pieces it together. There's little moments that, you know, they'll they'll just throw out a detail here and there. Mathis will throw out a detail. Uh, M will throw out some kind of information. And James, as you can see him processing, he's putting it together. He's working on it. And so it's, it's it's just fun to to think through the movie with the character, figuring out, figuring it out with them. I absolutely hate, and a lot of movies, a lot of movies do this, and sometimes you have to, I guess, but maybe Casino Royale is one of those movies that it, it just proves that you don't need to have an info dump. There's really not a just 
uh, a section of this film where it's just like, all right, let's just dump a whole bunch of info on you. Uh, let's catch the audience up because the audience is not that smart. Let's. This movie assumes that the audience is smart, they're intelligent, and they're able to piece the things together. I think this movie is incredibly smart because it allows the audience to think on their own and to figure it out on their own. Um, I love that about this movie. I hate I hate when the movies assume that I'm just an idiot watching watching a movie and they need to explain everything to me. I hate big info dumps. I hate that sort of thing. So that is where this movie is awesome. Second reason, it follows the rule of show, don't tell. Um, a lot of films, again, this goes back to an info dump sort of thing. They will tell you everything that's happening. You know, instead of, instead of a character picking up on some, and I'm just going to give you an example. Um, let me just give you an example. Hey, I, and by the way, there are spoilers throughout this uh, little review here. So if you haven't seen the film, I highly recommend you go watch this. Um, I will try not to spoil too much for you, but I can make no promise, promises. So, um, so an example of show not tell in this film is uh, when the villain, the bad guy, Lashif, and you know he's a bad guy because he has a scar across his eye and he weeps blood. You know it's the bad guy right off the bat. Uh when Lashif is back in his room and his girlfriend's arm is about to be cut off by those two African gangster terrorist dudes um, with the machete. They're about, they're threatening to cut her arm off. Anyway, they leave them and they go out in the hall. The hall was where James Bond and Vesper were, were traveling through and they were going to go up to Lashif's room. They heard the noises. They went back to the elevator. Elevator closed on them. They couldn't get in. So they actually went to the stairwell. And Bond had just put in his earpiece. He got his earpiece ready. It's in his ear. So they went to the stairwell and they pretended to uh, make out. They were making out in the stairwell doorway. And the uh, African warlords, terrorist guys, are walking by them. And we're seeing this POV shot from one of the Africans' perspectives. And he looks at Bond. He sees his face and then the camera focuses it on his ear and you can see the earpiece in his ear and the guy continues to walk by him and then boom, he, he takes a shot at Bond. That is an example for me of show, not tell. Uh, they could have easily somehow explained away with a uh, voice like the guy who saw the earpiece could have said, hey man, he's got an earpiece in and shot him. Instead, they allowed the audience to connect the dots. We see an earpiece. We're, we're from a per, the camera's perspective is from his point of view. He sees the earpiece, boom, boom, shots are fired, battle ensues, and an awesome battle at that. It's the stairwell battle, which is just in freaking incredible. Um, anyway, so that's an example of show, don't tell. They do it tons and tons of times in this film, including with a bomb that gets hooked to a very, very um, fatal spot on somebody's pants. Um, and just multiple times throughout, uh, throughout the film. So, uh, that's another reason I love this film because it allows the audience to think along with the character of Bond. Third reason I love this film is because the chase scenes are freaking spectacular. I love the chase scenes. The opening chase with, um, the parkour, uh, guy is just unbelievable, uh, that has that chasing always is like one of the first scenes I think about when so if so if you were to ask me like hey what is one of your favorite chase scenes in a film of all time this one is going up on that list because I love this chase scene and not just because it's a chase scene but because we're getting character development within the scene 
We're getting, we're understanding the differences and who is the dominant runner and athlete and uh, acrobatic uh, performer within the scene. You have two guys. You have, um, I don't know his name. I don't know his name. Uh, the African guy who has the bomb in his backpack. James Bond is chasing this African guy. And the African guy is uh, a well-known parkour um, athlete. So he's jumping through cars. He's jumping up cranes. He's running up scaffolding. He is, dude, he's doing everything. But James is more intelligent than this guy is. He's he's thinking while he is uh, chasing him. And so we get a very different dynamic between these two characters. We're seeing how they both process the layout in front of him, how they problem solve as they're running. For instance, the black guy, instead of, uh, yeah, the black guy, he, he, he's running towards the wall. He sees a little opening at the top. So he decides to leap through the small hole at the top of the drywall. What does James Bond do? He knows it's drywall. He's just going to plow right through it. Another example, they're going to go up a, uh, he, uh, the black guy is climbing this, this wired rope up to the top of a massive crane, uh, and James chases him onto that same platform, and instead of climbing the wired rope, he kicks off the, the, um, the metal piping that this wire is holding and kicks the lever as well, and the lever actually hoists him up, the wire's uh, retract and he gets a free ride up to the top of the crane. So you're having two very, very different interactions with the landscape for these two characters. James Bond is doing a little bit more intelligent problem solving, whereas the uh, African guy is using his athletic ability to solve his problem. So I love that chasing in particular, just because of the character development and character differentiation uh, within that scene. So love that. There's a ton of other great action scenes and fight scenes and chase scenes within this film, uh, like at the airport um, and and the uh, the Palazzo, 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 whatever. When the when the building sinks in the end of the movie, love love everything about this film. All the action is incredible. And the last. My fourth reason is that there's a plan and payoff. Uh, I love movies that can seed little bit of things here and there, and then they pay off, come full circle at the end. And we absolutely, 100%, get that in this film, particularly with who James Bond is. This is his first, his first mission as 007. He's just been uh, instated into 00 status. You get that in the, at the beginning of the movie. Explains all that, how he got that status. So this is his first mission as a double O. And does M trust him or not? Who knows? I'm going to say a little bit, but not much. Maybe she's regretting her decision, right? So we get this line from M after he's killed a few people, racking up a little bit of a body count. He's back in Jamaica and he sees one of the Bond women that he um, manipulated to get some info about her husband. He finds her dead on the beach in a hammock after being tortured, and M says the following line. I would ask you if you could remain emotionally detached. But I don't think that's your problem, is it, Bond? No. She is clearly maybe not as so much concerned about him and his attachment to the women that he's engaging with. Um, or the people that he potentially has to kill. And we see that further down the road 
when he kills the two African warlords in the stairwell, those terrorists in the stairwell that attack him, I talked about them a little bit earlier. He kills both of those guys. And Vesper, the other Bond girl, Ava Green's character, the love interest, if you will, in this film, is very shocked at witnessing those deaths in the stairwell and nearly being killed herself. Upon witnessing those attacks, she is in shock. Bond finds her later on in the shower and he comforts her there. And we see, the again, a clear difference between Vesper and Bond. Bond is unflinching, uh, unshaken by the fact that he just killed these two dudes, whereas Vesper is in a mental breakdown of a state that is just, I, I, she can't process anything. She's in shock. At the end of the film, and this is where the spoiler comes into play a little bit, after Lashif really takes a toll on Bond and the main villain of the film is uh, is is pretty much wiped out. You don't have to worry about him anymore. But Bond has taken some serious serious pain uh, in the uh, form of of a crotchless chair and a real oh god. It's just I'm not going to say anymore. Just watch the film. If you have seen the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you, if you're a guy, you definitely you can feel it. You can feel it a little bit. So he's in this hospital in Switzerland, I believe. Um, or some exotic looking place. It's it's beautiful. Maybe it's not exotic. It's European. It's beautiful. It's by a lake. I, I wish I was there right now. So he's there recovering from his his wounds and Vesper comes up to him and they share a little interaction and then she says this line. You're not going to let me in there, are you? You've got your armor back on. That's that. I have no armor left. You stripped it from me. Whatever is left of me, whatever is left of me, whatever I am, I'm yours. This is a very, very stark difference from the interaction with M at the beginning of the movie. M stated that she didn't feel like she had to worry about Bond getting too attached to anybody, where in the end of this film, Bond is solely attached to Vesper Lind. To the point to where he is blinded by her uh, and her betrayal for him later on at the end of the movie. Um, still heartbroken towards the end. And he truly loved her, I believe. Truly loved her. Sent in his resignation uh, to MI6 and just planned on traveling the world with the money he won from the, uh, the poker tournament. But things don't always go like Bond wants them. And she betrays him. And he was blinded to that because of his love for her, because of his attachment for her. So that's the last reason I really love this film. So guys, I want to know, do you love this movie as well? Do you hate this movie? Do you agree with my reasons? I would love to hear your comments. So uh, you can tweet at us at podfocus on Twitter, and you can get at us on Instagram at Racking Focus Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts. The next movie that we are reviewing is... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by the amazing Quentin Tarantino. Actually seeing that tonight as I'm recording this right now. I'm seeing that tonight. And John will not be in this episode either. Again, he's still in Italy on vacation, so he's going to be out. But we will do a follow-up episode with him. Instead, my good friend Alec, local filmmaker, is going to be joining me. And we're going to be talking about this film. He's a big Tarantino fan as well. So excited for that conversation. So uh, you can subscribe to us on 
iTunes. If you're not already, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you hate us, still leave us a five-star review. Just let us know in the review why you hate us so much. And if you love us, leave us that five-star review as well. And last but not least, please share with your friends. We would love for this podcast to reach more people. We love talking about movies. So guys, send us the movies we should watch. What should we What should we see this year? Uh, we are planning on uh, Hobbs and Shaw. I will say uh, a little bit, uh, with a little bit of embarrassment, that I did just buy the entire Fast and Furious collection on digital because I actually hadn't seen anything past Too Fast, Too Furious. For those of you who don't know, that's the second movie in that series. Um, These movies are utterly ridiculous, utterly entertaining, uh, mindless, completely mindless. So we watched Tokyo Drift the other night and Fast and Furious, which is the fourth one, and they were they were not that great, but, you know, just completely entertaining. So I'm gearing up for Hobbs and Shaw, which will just be a mind-blowing, action-packed event with Jason Statham and The Rock. Two actors I love dearly. They're amazing. But it's just going to be so, so incredibly ridiculous that I just cannot wait. Uh, so I'm gearing up for that. But other than that, please send us, send us movies we should watch. We would love to know. We would love for you to join in on the conversation as well. So you can always tweet at us again at PodFocus on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. So other than that, guys, take care. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast.